To many, she's the queen of disco, known for her hit song, I Will Survive. Gloria Gaynor is undoubtedly famous for her music, but it's her journey to faith in Christ, and the ways that it changed her, that's most fascinating. That and more is coming on today's episode. Welcome to the Prodigal Stories podcast, a show where Billy Hallowell and I take you through some of the most powerful stories of the day, stories of hope, transformation, and intrigue. I hope you enjoy our conversation with recording artist Gloria Gaynor. Well, Ms. Gloria Gaynor, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you. Well, it is so good to talk with you. I know, you know, so many people, I'm sure every single interaction and interview you get starts with, I will survive, right? It's, it's kind of... <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I actually, I, I wanted to start with that because I was listening to an interview you did several years ago, and you mm-hmm. said that actually one of your favorite songs to sing is another song called I Will Survive, and you changed yeah. the title. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, that's a song that was written, oh, I can't remember the name of the, I think Cynthia Clawson wrote that song, uh, and, and I think she sang it as well. And um, it was a song that actually the Lord took me through through, through a couple of uh, prophecies in church. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I found this song and um, when I saw it, I thought it was someone that tried to make a Christian song out of my I Will Survive. But then I was in the Christian bookstore and I took it out and put it in the player and put the headphones on. And when I heard the words, I was like, oh my God, this is the story of my life. I love, love, love this song. And um, and I, so I did record it and uh, uh, put it on an album that I released on my own some years ago that did actually zip. <laughs> but, um, but like I said, I just love the song. Mm. Well, you know, so many people know you as as kind of the, the queen of disco, the disco diva. You've got all kinds of of names, but I want to ask you if you could tell us a little bit actually about your faith journey, uh, which, from what I understand, happened in 1984. I think was when you you kind of transitioned into into faith. Tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about that and how you encountered the Lord. Well, um, my mother had passed away. Um, some years before that, and I kind of lost my moral compass for a minute. And, um, and so I was, you know, I gotten into show business and started performing because I didn't have any fame at all before my mother passed away. And um, so, so I was kind of like in limbo uh, morally mm-hmm. and kind of going along with whoever I was with and, and all of that, I got myself in trouble. And one night, um, the Lord literally grabbed me in my collar and said, that's enough. I was at a party. We had given a party in my hotel room and um, people were coming in with drugs and all this kind of stuff. And I was ready to, to get in, in, involved, to indulge. And the Lord just said, no. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that he just said to the enemy, not this one. This one's wow. And I didn't realize until a year later that, I mean, maybe even more than a year later, that I had... I, when I came across, I was looking through my mother's things and I came across my baptismal certificate. And then the memories came flooding back as to when I had asked my mother to take me to church to be baptized when I was 16 years old. I told her I wanted to give my heart to the Lord. And, you know, he doesn't forget even when we do. So, um, like I said, he let me run amok for a minute, but he, I guess I'm hoping it's... <laughs> 
he just loves us so much. Hmm. You know, I think an interesting part of your story is the conviction that you felt and you knew in that moment that it was the Lord, you know, speaking to you and getting a hold of you. And I, I think conviction is a hard thing. Sometimes we don't know what to do. We feel the presence of the Lord, or we feel guilt or something, and we don't know how to respond. Can you just talk a little bit about the importance as a believer of responding when we hear God moving? Oh, there is nothing more important. Nothing more important. I'll tell you another little story that, that really, I think, brings it home. Years ago, I had a job, trying to make this long story short, and I was taking a different route to my bus stop because it was a bus strike. So I was to, to find a bus that was actually running, I had to go a different route. And I found myself walking under a trestle. It was pitch black darkness. I could see the other side of the trestle, but where I was, it was dark. And I heard the Holy Spirit said, stop now. And I stopped. I looked down and my toes were hanging over an open manhole. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's that important to hear him when he speaks. Yeah. Wow. I mean, what a profound story and what that really brings it home, right? Because it makes it clear, uh, you know, you have got to pay attention uh, when God is speaking to you. Uh, And I also want to shift a little bit and ask you, you were just on The Masked Singer. Uh, (laughs) I mean, you have been literally all over the place. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what that was like. That was just so much fun. I, you know, I've, I've said several times that it's it was like the intrigue because you had to be all, you know, right. uh, not just on stage, everywhere you went that anybody might connect you with the studio or with the show, you had to be completely covered, masked and head covered. They had us wearing a, a size 3X um, hoodie so that nobody could even tell if you were thin or fat. <laughs> you had, had your hands covered, your ankles covered, everything. So that they could even tell if you were black or white. It was so much fun. I feel like I'm in a spy movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was like great fun. And then and then to perform mm-hmm. on the stage before that huge audience, knowing that it's going to be shown on national television. Um, it was just great. It was just a lot of fun. Well, you sounded incredible on the show. I, I so enjoyed watching you. Uh, and I want to ask, how has it been for you to balance your faith and following what the Lord has for you and also staying in the secular world and, and staying in, you know, balancing fame and faith? How do you do that? Well, you know, I, I'm balancing fame and faith, but I'm also following his directive because some years ago I, um, I was very um, plainly told by the Lord I, I was I was trying to determine whether I should go into after this incident happened and I wanted to really follow the Lord. Um, I I uh, I wanted to know if I I said I, I was trying to bargain with him. I, I was bargaining. Okay, so I'm saying, we've all done it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sing uh, put a, a Christian song on each one of my albums from now on. And he said no. I said okay, all right. I'll put I'll do two songs. And he <laughs> said no. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'll do half half Christian and half. I don't know if the record companies will let me do that, but I'll try to do half Christian and half gospel, half um, secular. And he said, no. I was like, oh, wow. You want me to stop singing secular music all <laughs> music? I didn't mind that, but my management was, wasn't going for it. I'm like, okay, that's the battle I'll have to fight. Now, are you going to help me fight it? And he said, no. I'm like, oh, what do you want me to do? 
I don't, I, okay, I'm not going to do anything until you tell me what you want me to do. He said, that, now you got it. So for a year, I did nothing hmm. but sit and, and learn and, and, and study the word and, and listen to the Lord and, and write songs and all that kind of thing. And after a year, he sent me back with this. My word speaks of all the issues of life. What would make you think I wouldn't want you to sing about all of the issues of life from my point of view? Hmm. Wow. And so that's, I changed some of the lyrics to a couple of my songs that I thought were askew. Some of the songs that I don't sing at all uh, anymore. Um, but um, yeah, he, he gave me very clear directive that he wants people to know that, you know, and I've often said to people, are you, are you aware that sex is God's idea? Hmm. You know, yeah. but it's a way to do it. Right. Way, you know, for everything within the confines of his and every single things that he tells us to do or not to do is for our own good. There's nothing we can do for him. Hmm. Everything is him doing for us. And what kind of response do you get? Because the impression that everybody has of Hollywood, the entertainment world, the music industry is, is that it's, it's godless and that, that there's so much hedonism there uh, and, and there's no desire to follow him. So what's been the response that you've gotten within the industry? Um, I have to say a lot of respect, hmm. even when they have no intention of hearing and following. They, they, they respect me for my convictions and sticking with my convictions in the midst of, as you say, all of the hedonism and debauchery and, and all of that. I'm like, yeah, you go on with that. That's, that's fine. And <laughs> I'm telling you, this is the better way. Right. If I you, I'd be coming this way. I'm, and I could tell you, we want to know why, because I'm not shoving anything down anybody's throat. But if you want to know why, I can tell you why. I can help you understand this and I can take you to a better way because as I've so often said, he loves us with an undying, unchanging, unconditional love. Everything that he tells us to do, wants us to do is for our own good. Everything that he doesn't want us to do is for our own good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I could talk to you about all of this stuff forever and ever, but I, I want to get to talking about your Christmas movie. Uh, you've got a new movie coming up uh, on on Pure Flix. Tell us a little bit about that project. I love this film. I love this film because, especially because it's young people who are kind of showing the way. Hmm. Because as I pointed early on in the film, one of the, the fathers of one of the children tells the group, the Thursday night club, that they will each be shown a sign that will lead them to something that they can do to, to share, to pay it forward. Um, and so each one of them is so interested in what this is. And I love that they are interested and I love that they follow through with it because in this day, when we're so self-centered and so self-involved, we need that. We need examples of that. And we need to recognize that we, whether we like it or not, we're a family. Hmm. You know, you can dispute it all you want. It's That's just the way it is. We're a family. And just like with your family that you know that have the same name as you are, there are going to be those that you like and those that you don't like. Some that you agree with and some that you disagree with. But we all ought to agree with mom and dad. So we all ought to agree with dad, you know, our Heavenly Father, yeah, because he only wants what's best for us. 
Hmm. You know, why do you think we've moved in that in that direction as a culture where so much of our our world, our interactions are centered on ourselves? Why do you think we've gotten to that place as a society? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we, number one, are moving away from home. So many of us don't live where we were born mm. anymore, so we're not around the elders in our families. Someone said to me, the problem with this country is that we don't have any more grandmas. Yeah, we do have grandmas. You can't have children without grandmas, but <laughs> they're not with the family anymore. So mm. they're not sharing the the, the morals and the, the backbone of the family, which were the morals and the things that we live by. And so, you know, keep they're getting them from social media. They're getting them from their friends. They're getting from the from school, from their te telephones. You know, instead of getting it from the people who love them, people who care about them, and most of all, the one who cares about them and their mothers and fathers and grandmothers. Most of all, mm. we're, we're you know, yeah. Well, you know, another thing, too, that I want to ask you is I think it's easy to step away from that faith when we get knocked down, right? When something's really hard, we think, well, I'm just going to throw in the towel. I don't believe in God anymore, or I'm not going to trust that there's a plan or a purpose. You've been through quite a lot of that. You know, your anthem is kind of, I will survive, but there's actually a truth to that in your story. You've suffered and dealt with and learned to live with osteoarthritis. Tell us a little bit about God's faithfulness in the midst of that. Well, you see, it's just, just that he is faithful and he is, has shown me such faithfulness. I love that one of my favorite hymn is Great is Thy Faithfulness. He's shown me such faithfulness that even when my prayers aren't answered in the way I want them to be answered, my mother used to always say, God answers every prayer. Sometimes he says no. <laughs> yeah. You know, just like, and we, what we struggle with since we've got access to so much knowledge and so much information, we've come to the point where we think that either we know everything or anything that we don't know and want to know is at our fingertips, we can get, we can know it, but we don't know the heart and the mind of God. And yeah. so because of that, we make up stuff that we think he's thinking or, or he doesn't care about us or he doesn't exist at all or uh, he wants me to go in a direction that I don't want to go. Every, anything and everything, but the truth is the fact that he loves you with an undying, unchanging, unconditional love. Mm -hmm. So again, we need the family to, to, to stay together. We really do need that. And I know when we've got off on this path, it's really, really difficult nowadays. The world has gotten so small, you know, but we're not being taught to respect our elders, respect the, their, their, not only their wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, but their experience. Yeah. And there's very, very little that, mm -hmm. they, that we're going to go through that they haven't been through. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's resonating with me, particularly because I, I just less than a week ago, I lost my grandfather. Uh, and that's mm. such, a, you're, you're so right, uh, that there's so much wisdom there, uh, that if you spend time and really hear what they have to say, they've been through life, they've experienced mm -hmm. life, uh, and, and they have a lot to share with us. Uh, so yeah, that's so true. And we're heading quickly, quickly, quickly into the holiday season. Uh, mm. So I want to ask you, as we round out this conversation, so often we're with our families, this is maybe the one time we're with our families, what are you most looking forward to this holiday season? Well, 
what I'm most looking forward to is the is the joy that comes with sharing, and and um, and and my my purpose at every Christmas is to remind people or, or let them know if they don't already that the reason why you're giving gifts at Christmas is because this is a reminder of the gift that God gave to us two thousand mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. It's just yeah, absolutely. Well, Gloria Gaynor, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Well, that was Gloria Gaynor. Now I'm joined by Billy Hallowell. Billy, what did you think of the conversation? I wanted to be Gloria Gaynor's best friend at the end of it. I was like, I really want to hang out with her. I like, I don't know. I felt, I felt like she was very candid and honest and very real. And I don't know, when you've been around that long in entertainment, it goes either one of two ways. You're very candid, honest, and real, or you're kind of not. And so, I don't know. I feel like it's like an 80-20 split, but she's definitely in the 20. She's super down to earth, too, which I thought was refreshing, right? For somebody who's been around and, and is so iconic and well-known to people. I mean, she was also just on The Masked Singer. So, she's she's been all over the place. But to, to just be so down to earth, I thought, was... Um, was refreshing. And then also her faith journey is, is really cool. Uh, somebody who could have gone, you know, she had everything at her fingertips, right? When she first started her career, uh, when I Will Survive came out, it was like the song and she was at the top of all these charts and she was all over the radio back when people listened to the radio. Um, so she really could have gone into whatever direction she wanted to. She was throwing parties, drugs, all that stuff was available to her. But the Lord literally, you know, got a hold of her uh, and and changed her life. And she listened, which I think is the hard part. It's easy to kind of, well, not easy, but there are so many people who have instances where the Lord clearly spoke to them, but then it's tough to listen and then keep listening. And it seems like she's lived a life of continually listening to what God is saying to her. Yeah. And, you know, I love that story about her, you know, her toes dangling over the open brain <laughs> right. or whatever. And I'm thinking that's like my biggest fear walking through New York City is that, you know, I'm going to go through a manhole. But, you know, I, I like I don't know. I just I, I loved hearing in particular her story about the party and how she was about to indulge in drugs. And she had that moment where it was just like God was telling the enemy, you're not taking this one. You're not going to have her. And I thought, man, that's so incredible. God knows, you know, how open people are going to be to him. He knows what you're going to do in your heart, what you're going to say, he knows everything. And so, you know, how he saves people from themselves so often. And I just loved hearing that because again, that, that level of fame, it's going to go one of two ways for people. And how many people do we see struggle and have such a hard time with fame? She, she strikes me as somebody who has had fame. She still has it. She's a legend. And yet she's just out there, like you said, doing what she's going to do, being who she's going to be and living her faith out. And the fact that she's like acting now and doing this other fun stuff too is pretty cool. I also thought it was fascinating how the Lord spoke to her and kind of guided her and how she does her music, right? Because she thought, well, I guess I can go and become a Christian artist or I can be a gospel artist. But that wasn't what she felt God was calling her to, that he was calling her to continue to sing secular music, but sing uplifting music. And I, I thought it was really neat how she changed the lyrics to some of her songs. Because even if you listen to I Will Survive Now, and then you listen to the original recording, she actually just, she performed it this past summer and at the, the 4th of July celebration in Washington, D.C. 
and she's changed one of the verses to be very clearly like a Christian song and she's referencing God and some of it is autobiographical. It's different from how the song was originally written. Um, so it's cool to see that she said there are some songs I don't sing anymore. And then the ones that I continue to sing, I've changed the lyrics so that they're God honoring instead of, you know, just being self honoring or honoring the world. Yeah. And I think that's so important too, because it speaks to what's in our entertainment and you and I have covered these things a lot, you know, what's coming out in the faith-based world in particular, but we often don't think about what are we taking in? What are we listening to? You know, it has an impact on people and a lot of artists, they wouldn't even take the time potentially, even, even after becoming Christians, maybe to rethink the lyrics and to rework them. Um, and, and then also to say, you know what? I could be making a lot of money off these other songs. I could be performing them, but I'm not going to do that because I think it's wrong to spread that message. That takes a lot of courage to do that. Um, and, you know, it, it takes faith because you're missing out on the money and the fame that you would have had if you continued those things. So I, I always admire that sort of decision making. I think something, too, that took, took and takes a lot of courage is her willingness to talk about hot-button issues. Like, she went all in on talking about sex, and, you know, some of her songs are romantic, obviously, so she was talking about how she felt initially, like, maybe I should stop singing those songs, but instead, like we said, she kind of changed the lyrics to some of them and then stopped singing certain ones altogether, but she said that she will frequently tell people, do you know that God created sex? He just created it to be done in a certain context, right, which is a marriage between a man and a woman, and she's talked about homosexuality and where she falls and that she believes what the Word of God says about sexuality, uh, and that's got to be hard. It's hard for anybody to do, but particularly somebody who's got a microphone in front of their face and they have got a camera there and they're talking to the media in a world that is so fixated on sexuality to be able to say, God designed sex. He designed it to be performed, practiced in a certain way within the context of marriage, that's a tough thing to be able to do and to do boldly over and over again. Well, and she's talked about this a lot over the years that the issue of homosexuality and has said, look, you know, the biggest issue is whether or not I love people, right? She's yeah. like, and, and the way she's talked about it, I think a lot of times people get mired in the debate, right, over the politics of it and you know, the right and the wrong, and they don't focus enough on, yeah, I have my position, I have a biblical position on it, but here's how I treat people and here's what we're called to do. And so from what I've seen, and I don't, maybe I'm missing something, but from what I've seen, the way she's handled that has been pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I think she's been very consistent and she's been very clear. Obviously, she doesn't get down in the mud. She's not a politician and she's not like a preacher. So, you know, she's not, she's not going to handle it maybe the way a lot of people would. Uh, but she's handled herself very well, I think, especially, like I said, in a culture now that's so divisive and honestly, unfortunately, so hostile toward our Christian faith, too. Yeah, well, and and I think it's good to have examples like that because yeah. it's going to get harder. It's going to get more complicated. It's going to get more, you know, debated, all these issues. We're going to see more of that. And so being able to look to people like that and say, wow, and not just that on how to behave, but seeing how somebody's heart has changed, mm -hmm. the kind of story, right, that shows us the evidence of the gospel through changed lives and hearts and minds. And so I don't know, this was actually one of my favorite episodes that we've done, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, she was a fascinating conversation. She's just a very sweet woman. Uh, it was great to talk to somebody who is, like you said, such a legend, I think, in in entertainment and in American culture and in the, from the disco era, obviously before me, but everybody knows the song I Will Survive. So 
uh, it was it was cool to talk to her about that. Her new movie is on pureflix.com. You can stream it there now. It's called The Thursday Night Club. And it's never too early to start your Christmas movies. I mean, my tree is already up. I, Billy, like, is your tree up or about to be up? Oh, it's about, I mean, the tree is peeking out and calling my name. It's definitely right. on its way to being up. So I cannot wait. Right. And the Christmas drinks are out at Starbucks. I'm t- everybody, it's it's Christmas time. Don't deny it. Well, and it's- we have, I told you, we bought a record player just to play Christmas yes. music on it and 10 records. So only Christmas music is emanating from the Hollowell house right now. <laughs> Billy Hallowell has gone into debt over <laughs> over his his uh, your record player and all the vinyls. <laughs> I've, I've filed for bankruptcy because I want Christmas music. So there you go. Well, that is all we have time for on this episode of the Prodigal Stories podcast. Tune in next week for another conversation with who knows it'll be. It'll be somebody interesting. So check back. <laughs>